What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. Uh, things are getting weird, everybody, huh? Especially I'm in New York, and let me tell you, I've been practicing my martial arts. You never know when they're going to come in, break down your door, and you're going to have to defend that last piece of toilet paper. I mean, people are getting, like, it, it's scary out in the streets. I saw this dude, because you don't want to sneeze in the streets. You sneeze in the streets, people are going to lose their shit. So I saw this dude, this is how bad things are getting. I saw this dude, he, he needed to sneeze, and he kept, he was about to sneeze, like, uh, uh, he was trying to hold it in, uh, uh, fucking head popped off. I'm telling you, cleaned off. I don't know if you've ever put an M80 into a grapefruit and just seen that thing explode. That's It looked like you know, itchy and scratchy. The, the bone was just sticking out of the neck. The guy didn't even have a head anymore. That's how, that's how serious shit is getting. And don't think the news is just making things up. Already, there's no bread in my supermarket. Sure, all the vegetables, all the produce, all the healthy stuff, that's there. But bread, that stuff's out. You know what I've been having to do? I've been having to eat chicken with noodles. That's the kind of conditions we're in now. I'm supposed to be a sandwich person. I, I'm sandwich represent to the bitter end. If we're going to go down apocalypse style, I want to be eating fresh sandwiches all the way to the bitter end. But no, I've been having to make myself noodles. By the way, the Instapot's fucking great. You guys weren't kidding. I was like afraid to actually try that thing because I was going to have to sit down and read a manual. I don't like reading manuals, but finally I'm home all alone and uh, I took the time to read the manual, actually get set up with the Instapot. I was convinced I was going to explode the apartment. Not only have I not exploded the apartment, that thing is a cheat for cooking. That thing, it's like, other people are telling me, it's like microwave for fresh food. You know, I don't know how you guys are living. I've been eating pretty good. I almost feel like in Goodfellas when they get sent to prison and they go, you know, other people when they get sent to prison, but we own the prison and they're having that meatball party. That's been me on uh, on this quarantine. I'm figuring out how to cook. I've been picking up roast, these giant things of chicken. I found this store with good chicken. It's like two bucks for, for whole, not whole chicken, like whole chicken legs, man. I've been, I've been fucking feasting, but we digress. I was trying to talk about how the world is ending now, not how I'm, uh, not how I'm eating pretty good. Um, so I actually, uh, I got out of New York City. Uh, I'm uh, currently recording from a parking lot in Norwalk, Connecticut. I actually just did a uh, fun part of the problem with Davy Smith. I think that's going to be out on Saturday. And uh, I'm very happy to have gotten out of the city. I can tell you that, you know, you live with a, a baseline of anxiety, even on normal days in New York City. Doug Stanhope said it the, had the best line about New York City, that it has day before Christmas shopping all the time. The thing's always buzzing. And I can tell you from having spent the last, you know, whatever, two weeks there, is that since the start of this thing, or mostly this week has been more of the start of kind of it being more of a shut-in type situation. But you just, I, I, the second you leave it, you're like, oh my God, there's space, there's open fields, there's people just out in the, like, I, I don't know, there's something about New York City, you feel like you're sitting in a ticking time bomb, and you ignore it because there's that part of your brain that just says, shut up, you pussy, you're fine, don't be a pussy, you're fine. Uh, but, my friend who works in finance said it best because, you know, I was debating whether or not to, I, I should leave the city. And he said, if you already got to say it, you might as well do it. What do you have to lose? You're not doing comedy spots anyways. And I realized, hey, the guy's right. So I left New York City. I feel a lot more uh, content having left. For all you people who maybe you beat yourself up for panicking, you're debating whether or not you should do the prep, you should buy the gun, you should shine your bullets, you should stock the freezer, shower yourself in disinfectants, you should be uh, learning how to slaughter your own chickens, maybe ordering... Uh, 
a crossbow off of Amazon because you realize there's no way that you can get a gun license now, but people might be kicking in your door. And you've heard Rogan talk about crossbows, so you think they're pretty cool. Maybe you're starting to think, I should really start doing some prep. But then there's another part of your brain that goes, hey, man, don't be a fucking pussy. There's no reason to panic. It's just the news. It's just uh, hysteria. Don't fall into the masses. Don't be one of these idiots. Let me just tell you, panicking's a little bit fun. When you go to the supermarket and you overspend because you're like, this might be the last time I'm here. What do I really need? Can we all admit that it's a little bit fun? Like I left New York City today and this was just the OCD part of my brain that I was uh, I was going to push to like Sunday or Monday. I also figured if they actually quarantine New York City, they, they would quarantine Manhattan first and I'm in Astoria. I'd be able to get out and go over the Whitestone Bridge. I also had this plan in my head um, where I figured since I still have a Connecticut license that maybe if a cop like came and fa- I'd be like, I'm not even supposed to be in this area. I, I was, I was just here for work. I was, uh, officer. I was just buying drugs, officer. I was just banging the, the 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 local male hookers. They don't have good male hookers in Stanford, so you know, I'm 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 just here temporarily. I got to get back to my family, and then I'd be the one person who could escape quarantine. Sometimes you come up with dumb things, you know. That's the hopeful thinking. But anyways, so today, you, you know, they're 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 doing this crazy thing. Where they're kind of, you see the sliding scope where they go, all right, all the businesses can stay open. They can stay open at half capacity. Okay, none of the business can be open. It just seems like we're kind of headed towards a trend towards and nobody can leave their house. It's just like if you're watching the slope of the decision making, because they can't just say that shit instantly. It was even... uh, Cuomo had his little analysis where he's like, we got to tighten the valve. And if that's not working, we're going to tighten the valve more. And at some point, we got to shut off the valve. He's kind of telling you the way it works. Listen, we're going to kind of tighten controls and tighten controls. We're going to slowly box you in until you're stuck in your fucking apartment with your roommate, even though you got the pressure cooker and you're having fun cooking. Uh, but so I decided I wanted to get out of New York City and I figured this might be New York City technical talk. I. Uh, I live in a story and I was like, all right, I got my car. I'll get out and over the Whitestone. I'm not heading into Manhattan. Uh, and I also decided in my head that uh, I didn't quite decide this in my head. Uh, word on the street, which is basically my pizza guy who has been feeding me delicious meatball subs. Um, he think he thought that the quarantine was coming on Saturday. And then I started to get nervous that the announcement might come 5 p.m. on Friday at the end of what might be people's work day. Uh, and I'd heard the week before that it was supposed to be coming Friday night. So I just thought that it might be at 5 p.m. Friday we're getting an announcement. And I just had it in my OCD brain that 5 o'clock was the marker. I have to be clear of Manhattan by 5 p.m. Also, I didn't make this decision until about 3 p.m., uh, and partly why I made the decision is I just, every phone call I was having with the couple, the, the friends that I've been talking to through this thing, by the way, that's the one I've never done that. Cause I'm always running around at night, like doing spots or, you know, just pretending like I'm going to get work done. I've actually kind of been calling friends, which is, it's nice anyways. So everyone's telling me, Hey man, you should just get out. You got no reason to be in the city. You might as well get out. All right. So I have it in my mind, 5 PM. I got to get out of New York city. So I look at my ways and on ways, it's going to take me like an hour just to get to the Whitestone bridge. It's telling me to go through Manhattan. So then I go and I go into Manhattan I get over the Queensboro and it's like four. All right. I got, I'm like, I got one hour to get out of this thing. And then I don't know what was going on the FDR drive North, but it actually had me driving up third Avenue and third Avenue. I'm like, I felt like I was escaping from a prison. I'm like, I got three miles to go. You get off on 59th street and I had to get to 125th street. 
Now, 125th Street, you start stretching into poorer neighborhoods. And in my head, I was just convinced that the announcement was going to come at 5 p.m. I was going to be standing on one of those street corners and a dude was just going to rob me of my car. He was going to be like, that guy's got a car. I got to get out of the fucking city. I'm going to take this fucker's car. Or I just saw that maybe Friday traffic was going to start ramping up. And I just, I started panicking that going through Manhattan was the most epic blunder I'd made in my entire life. And then guess what? I got out of the city without any problems. Was I an idiot for panicking? No. That might have been one of the biggest thrills of my entire life. Sure, it was nothing but OCD anxiety. But then when I was free and clear of it, do you know how good I felt? It was it was the best feeling. So all I'm telling you is don't beat yourself up for panicking. Living these things in your head like you're escaping from a prison can be a fucking thrill. And, you know, you these might be our last days left on Earth. So why not enjoy the, the little thrills that you can? It's also it's a it's a free thrill. So, you know, no one no one can charge you for panicking within your own head, exhausting yourself and, uh, you know, not otherwise being productive. No one can charge you for that service. So let's be honest, this whole situation is wild and I can't stop watching the news. I'm glued to the news. And usually I don't watch any news. I watch no news. Usually I watch, uh, you know, I read uh, I read the news. I just don't really watch it. But I've been watching Fox and CNN. Um, and I don't know how you cannot be watching this. Like all these people, if you're like working at home, how are you doing other work? This might be the end of the world. Do you really want to be filling in a spreadsheet when you could be watching the last piece of American propaganda? Do you really want to miss out on that? And then here's what's great about CNN and uh, and Fox is he basically gets to choose between uh, government needs to quarantine. That's the big thing on CNN or Fox, which is like we got to go to war with China. You know, so you get to pick which narrative you prefer. I almost feel like CNN is your mom. They're just like irrationally nervous about everything. Uh, they're just convinced everyone's out to get them. They're just mad at people. It's all gossip. And then Fox is more like your dad, who's not getting along with your mom, so he wants to go fight the neighbor. Now, before I continue with this, I want to let you guys know, uh, if you're not following me already, my name is at Robbie the Fire on Twitter. I've tweeted a fair amount of jokes. And because of what's going on, I think that this might this is going to be a little bit more of a serious like episode. I mean, we got an epidemic going on. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the financial markets. I got to be honest, I'm a little bit afraid about this. Uh, so if you if you tune in, you like the jokes, I appreciate that. I'm going to be tweeting more of that at Robbie the Fire. Please go follow me. Um, and just as a heads up for the rest of this episode, I think it's going to be taking a more serious tone. Sorry, I lied. Like I said, I've been eating pretty good. That that fucking crock pot thing, Instapot. I've been I've been loading up on chicken. I've been loading up on uh, on beef. So you know, at least you don't have to sit in this car with me. Also, can you guys do me a favor and help me grow the show? Like I feel like I'm doing good work here. I noticed this the other night. Like uh, I was watching all these uh, the Jimmy Fallon's and uh, Stephen Colbert. All these people they're broadcasting from their homes. Like oh look at me, look at how much I care about the show. I broadcast for a fucking car. I don't have any writers. And let me tell you, the jokes I'm telling on this show are better than those people. So help me out. Help me grow the audience. You got so many people. They're sitting home at bored. They probably don't realize that the end of the world is coming. That the Fed is going to print all this money and that their money is going to be valued. And uh, that this whole coronavirus thing is either government made or it's a hoax or maybe it really is killing people. But then they just saw this as their opportunity to crash the economy. Who else is telling people about this? 
and also eating good sandwiches at the same time. So just do me a favor and share the show with your friends so maybe I can have a little bit more of an audience because you ever see, do you see that dumb 2012 movie where John Cusack is like running around in a limo and Woody Harrelson's broadcasting the end of the world? That guy's a bald inspiration. That's what I'm trying to do here. So uh, help me out here. So before we get into all the bad things about coronavirus, here's one thing that's nice about it. Uh, a friend's parents, uh, my friend, he had, a, he had a, his parents fell like pass away. I didn't have to go to the funeral. Uh, there was a family engagement party. That shit got canceled. Usually the one time I leave my house is like on Sunday, I'll go visit my grandparents. They don't want me to come visit them. Uh, also, I don't have to be nervous about other people getting funnier because no one else can do comedy right now. This is like a comedy timeout. Everyone else has to stay at home. I don't know how much time other people uh, are actually going to sit down and spend writing, but I know that they can't get up and perform. I feel like this is a nice little timeout. But I really am starting to wonder, is this a hoax or the real deal? And I'm sure you're sitting there too. Unless unless you're one of the people and you're already sick and you're like, no, please tell, quit telling people it's a hoax. I've been uh, really deathly ill or I know this person who is really deathly ill. But if you're not one of those people and you have yet to see somebody that's ill and you're not personally ill, I'm sure you're starting to think, what the fuck is going on here? And when I talk about whether or not this is a hoax, I'm not talking about the economy. That thing's ruined. That, that That's for sure ruined. There's no question they ruined the economy. What I'm talking about is this disease because the news, they freak out about things all the time. I, they would have had us quarantine over Russia collusion. If they could have, they would they, shut down things all the time. And usually... I like when it comes to other topics, it's easier for me to tell if they're being overly dramatic. Like when it comes to school shootings, I don't get that scared because, you know, I look at the statistics and I also remember I don't have to go to school. This isn't a me problem, but germs, they don't just kill kids. And let me tell you this, like the more I watch CNN, the more I think I'm being played. But then on the other hand, I'm a big germaphobe before this started, so I feel like, while generally speaking, I have a pretty good crystal ball of being able to detect bullshit, when it comes to, like, the germ thing, they found the right boogeyman. They've got me fucking panicked. I'm, pa- I'm I mean, I'm in Connecticut. I paid for, uh, I never pay for hotel rooms. I'm a cheap person. I don't really make a lot of money. I can't be affording hotel rooms, but what can I say? They got me fucking panicked, so I'm sitting in a car in the middle of Connecticut at some random-ass fucking hotel because they, they got me. These mother, maybe this will actually stimulate the economy. You know what? Maybe there won't be a depression. Maybe we're all actually spending more than we otherwise would have out of fear and panic while also pretending like we're saving because we're not sure where our next paycheck is going to come from. And I don't know. I don't know where I'm going that train of thought. Uh, but here's the problem. So you look at Italy. Italy, well, when I took down this note, I think they've had like a thousand more deaths since I wrote this. Uh, but even so, they got 60 million people. So even if it's 3,000 or 5,000 deaths, like, I'm not saying it's good that 5,000 people died, but I'm just saying it's a giant fucking country. Uh, And then you also look at the death charts of people under the age 65, and it's almost negligible. And then you also hear, like, I heard Cuomo say that in China, four out of the five people, four out of five people that transmitted the disease didn't even know that they had the disease. I've heard that, like, as much as 80% of people that have this thing won't even know that they have symptoms. Now, maybe that's fear and problem propaganda that they want you to stay home even if you're feeling completely fine i don't know uh and then i also saw ron paul uh he put out a little bit of a video being like it would be better all these kids like uh go to the beach it's better for your immune system i don't know if he quite said in those words uh but the point is i don't know it, it, it this is a very tough one to tell is this a hoax or is this thing the real fucking deal and i don't know about you but i find that my attitude changes basically with each conversation that i have like 
if I talk to someone else who's freaked out about it, I freak out the freak the fuck out about it. But like, if you call one of your stoner friends, like, hey man, it's fine, man, because all my stoner friends still talk like Tommy Chong, then you're like, all right, it's it's fine. Or like, you, you know, you I bet you have your crazy grandmother and she's just out at spring break. She's like, what are you talking about, you pussy? This is great. This is fine. There's nothing to be worried about. I basically find that maybe that's uh, my own weak brain, but it's whoever I last spoke to. If the last person I spoke to is panicked about it, then I'm completely panicked about it. And then if I call up my other friend and he goes, eh, I think this is all a bunch of bullshit and we're going to be fine, then I also just think, hey, this is a bunch of bullshit and we're going to be fine. So my question for you, is this a low-risk hold that they shut down the economy because it was going down anyways? I mean, think about how many times the news has lied to us. We all know that they can cherry pick information and show it on repeat. And then uh, you just wonder, like, is that what's happening here? And I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying I don't know. I don't think anyone really knows. I think that's why they picked a good boogeyman, because it's really hard for us to refute it, because none of us are scientists. None of us are in the hospitals. None of us understand, like, really the odds of flu versus this thing. It's, uh... I mean, as far as I know, I can't remember a single flu season where they said the entire hospitals are already overrun and there's multiple deaths. So it seems to me like this is significantly more serious, but I'm just saying there's no real way to tell. I'm venturing towards it's more serious, though. Uh, but we're clearly crashing the economy, and all that they're saying on the news is like, listen, the answer is the Fed. We're going to print more money. Government's the only way that we're going to be able to, that's the only salvation. Listen, there's a virus out there and we're going to, you can't go to your job. Uh, and since you can't go to your job and you don't have any money, we're going to print money and we're going to hand you the money. We're going to take care of you. Uh, and it's a scary thing that it seems like we're really headed towards socialism in a more massive way where we're going to give over more industry and power to government because it's the only thing that can save us. It's the only thing that can possibly prevent us from mass hysteria, uh, from disease, from us all killing each other, uh, from uh, profit companies taking all of our money, not being able to get goods and services, whatever fucking lie that they have, the exact problem here is government. They're the ones that prevented people, actors in the free market from having good tests. I spoke about it on the last one, so we don't have to get into it, but people are pushing for it. They want more Fed. They want more government. And let's be honest, that's exactly what we don't need right now. There, I'm already seeing incredible stories of innovation. I've seen some stories about 3D printing for both uh, respirators and valves. Um, and that, that's like kind of the untold thing here. You can't beat the hive mind. Like if you're going, oh shit, there's a problem and we need to solve it. As a theoretical, do you think the three people or the 25 people or the 50 people working on a government team are going to be better than, I don't know how many engineers just sitting in their basement tinkering, not all under one train of thought, like just total free individuals going, hey, let me be creative and think if I can come up with the solution to this problem. Just the power of the numbers of just free individuals being able to innovate versus a single team, uh, even if it's a thousand people on the government team. At the end of the day, there's going to be some sort of a bureaucratic like process for what kind of ideas get pushed forward. Just the hive mind of millions of people trying to come up with solutions to problems. In my opinion, you can like it, just the computational power. Obviously, that's going to have better results. And that's what's scary about what's going on is it just seems like we're headed towards more, hey, government's the answer to all of our problems. And by the way, and here's another problem that I have uh, with at least the current government structure. And I know uh, this like is uh, 
a lot of libertarians don't agree with me on this. We're not going to get too into the weeds. Uh, and uh, I, I understand where you guys are coming from. But sometimes I wonder if, like, uh, basically it's okay to advocate for more authoritarianism if it's a, a natural reaction to the first policy. So the examples would be, uh, like, for example, uh, they created a social policy for free social goods. So in reaction to that, should we also have closed borders? Now, closed borders is not the ideal libertarian position, but is it a re natural reaction to, well, if you're going to have free social goods, you can't have open borders. Or like if you're going to have free health care, maybe you need to have health care monitoring where you can't just go and eat junk food and drink alcohol. Like, are, are there some kind of natural reactions where I don't like the natural reaction? I would rather not live in a world where someone can't just go eat McDonald's. But if everyone's going to have to pay for their health care, maybe that's something that needs to go with it. So here's one of the things that really annoys me about government is that at the end of the day, they do have a little bit of a need to, to be likable. At the end of the day, they need to stay in office. They need votes. That's entirely the corrupt system when it comes to uh, debt financing is that it is in their best interest to spend money now uh, because it helps them stay in office. If they can give you free health care now, if they can run a deficit, well, they're not going to be in office forever. It helps them stay there. It basically bribes us for our vote. And so we understand there's a structural issue that if they can run deficits, they will. Uh, but that's because at the end of the day, they are somewhat beholden to voter, voters and voters liking them. So the issue is that uh, we kind of have this idea that government, well, they're going to make the tough decisions for us. Like if we have this entity towards government, they're smarter, they're wiser. And when push comes to shove, they're going to make the tough calls for us. And I think they never actually will. I think that they're more reactive than that because if they were to basically prevent risk that we don't see, people don't like you for that. And here's an example of what I mean by that. Uh, one time I went camping with my friends. Maybe I uh, told this story on the podcast uh, before, but one time I was going camping with friends and they decided to leave at like maybe midnight to go to the campsite. And so we get to the campsite at 1 a.m. Uh, and there are signs all over the place. Absolutely no camping. There are uh, mosquitoes in this area with wh whatever virus. It was just saying no camping allowed. And my friends were like, nah, whatever. Let's just camp here. And I'm like, no, we're not camping here. They're like, dude, quit being a pussy. We came out of your camp. We got the tent. We got we got our drugs. We got our alcohol. We're ready to go. Who I'm like, who cares about the sign? The sign fucking says that there's uh, dangerous mosquitoes out here. And they're like, who cares? And let me tell you, mosquitoes are annoying no matter what. Every camping trip I've ever been on, I've gotten bitten up from mosquitoes. A sign that's telling me about uh, virusy mosquitoes sounds like a good idea not to camp at that location. So I forced my friends to go to a different campsite, which we did. And they were all pissed at me because they're like, ah, this fight. Like, I was that annoying person in the group. And here's the thing about being that guy. When you present, when you prevent a disaster, a disaster nobody knows. Because you prevented something that didn't happen. No one's ever like, well, thank God we listened to... Well, I guess maybe there's some instances if you said, hey, we shouldn't like, you know, go to that mountain and there ended up being an avalanche. There are probably some times where you prevent a disaster. Like, okay, good thing we listened to that guy. But a lot of times, I, what I'm saying is you're preventing people from the unknown. It's almost like the, your mom is a kid. How many times did she tell you you couldn't do something and you were just pissed off at your mom? But chances are, if you had adult eyes, you could have been like, oh, yeah, yeah, that would that would have been really stupid. I shouldn't have done that. Like, uh, um, you know, the dumbest example 
example would be, oh man, I really want to shove this fork into that uh, into that socket, and then mom comes along, and you're like, all right, come on, it looked it looks so natural. I'm holding a fork, there are holes there, there are prongs here. I want to shove the prongs into the thing. That fucking bitch won't let me uh, shove prongs into this hole that's just sitting in the wall. It's just asking for it. That 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 electrical outlet is just asking to be fingered by this fork. You don't see any of that. You just matter your. I don't know that any three-year-old who thought shoving a fork into one of those electrical outlets is quite having this thought process. But you see what I'm saying. When people prevent you from doing something that you want to do because of a risk factor that is uh, unknown to you or you never thought was going to happen, you you just get upset at them. Like even uh, the fact that I'm staying in this Connecticut hotel room is because my mom was freaking out and like it just rang in my ear enough. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to get out of the city, which I've already mentioned in this episode 12 times. Uh, But let me tell you, when there was no quarantine in two days from now, a part of me is going to be annoyed at my mom that I wasted 200 bucks when I could have been in my apartment for two more days for free where I already pay rent. And I want I want to, that's why I don't leave my apartment. I pay rent. My roommate's not going to use up more of the apartment resources than I am. I'm not going to let him just free ride my rent money. I, that's why I make sure to spend more time there than him to make sure that I'm getting my four, my full values. You see what I'm saying? Uh, all right. But now we, uh, we tangented tangented quite a bit there from what I was trying to say about government. I don't think government ever will come in the same way uh, like they're never going to come in and say, hey, we got to take care of the debt. They're never going to be forward looking. They're never going to be the adult in the room. They're not going to act that way because at the end of the day, they got to be likable. And so what you have here, like uh, I already mentioned it, you got to go look this up where Cuomo was talking about tightening the valve, tightening the valve that, but he's describing being reactionary. Like, what we should have done probably is a couple weeks just fucking close down the border. Or if you really, really think that, like, just, I I, I mean, half measures don't work. I learned this in college. There were some tests that I studied really hard for. And by really hard, I mean, like, I sat down for three or four hours and I never showed up for the entire semester and I got a 50. But let me tell you, it's not easy to get a 50. Like you have to know 50% of the information to get a 50 and guess what, get, guess what? You walk away with nothing. The, the, the four or five hours that you put in to get the 50 and know half the answers on that test are worth nothing. You might as well have done zero because sometimes half asking it is literally worth not like, sure, you feel good. You get to feel like, oh, I, I tried to do something here, but in, in reality you did absolutely nothing. And so I think there's a, like, there's a structural problem with government that like they'll never, if this was a contagion risk, they're not going to lock down New York City until it's too late. They're not going to lock down states until it's too late. It's always going to be once they had to do it because they had no choice. You, you, uh, do you kind of see what I'm saying? They'll ne- I, I know all of you are like, well, it would be authoritarian for them to lock down the states. It would be authoritarian for them to do, uh, uh, for them to lock us down in the apartment. And we shouldn't give that kind of power to the government. And I agree with you a hundred percent. But I'm also saying that if the if it was something that would help. If there was an option where government could step in and go, all right, listen, like if in the first week of this thing, they said, listen, everyone's got to stay in their apartment for the next two weeks. We have the test. We're going to test everybody to let them out of their apartment. uh, And that way this thing is going to just be contained and over in two weeks time. And imagine they could have done that. The point is they never would have because they need to wait for it to be a disaster because otherwise we'll all be upset at them for it because we won't know what would have happened if, you know, if you actually ended up with the massive contagion. Um, all right. I, I feel like I made my point. We talked in circles enough, I, or at least I tried to make my point. If it didn't come across, I give up. Here's something else that's really scary about uh, government making decisions for us and 
showcases how broken government decision making is. So this was a CNN article. Um, the uh, you can look it up. It was uh, CNN. The title was "Coronavirus Italy Coronavirus Lockdown," or at least I don't know if that was the title. That's just uh, the in like the URL. But this guy, Dr. Giorgio Paolo. That sounded more Mexican than Italian, but you get what I'm saying here. Uh, the former president of the European and Italy Italian Society for Virology and a professor of virology and microbiology of the University of Padova. He says the Italian government lagged at first. It was lazy in the beginning. Too much politics in Italy. There was a proposal to isolate people coming from the epicenter, coming from China. He said then it became seen as racist that people were coming from... Uh, but they were people coming from the outbreak. That, he said, led to the current devastating situation. Now I want to read that to you again. Then it became seen as racist, and let's understand how sick this is. A scientist making a decision for self-preservation went against his best risk assessment in order to do something that might not be perceived as racist. You know, like a scientist trying to look at evidence in the face of self-preservation avoided being perceived as racist because that was the more important value. The more important value wasn't, hey, let's look at the numbers. Let's try and prevent mass death and hysteria. It was, it's really important not to be perceived. And we're not even talking about being racist. If this was a disease in another European country, if like all of, if there was a massive disease in Germany or there was a massive disease in Canada, you know, like then it wouldn't be perceived as racist. You go, all right, we're not letting Canadians into the country because there seems to be a risk factor that uh, Canadians are uh, carrying this uh, Canadian virus. And if we let them in, uh, they might fuck up our entire country. But since it's China, it might be perceived as racist. Do you understand how broken the decision-making power of government officials are? In in the face of what has turned into, I mean, you, you hear what the news is telling you about what's going on in Italy, and here's one of their doctors saying perhaps we could have uh, contained it, or perhaps it wouldn't have been as bad if we didn't let people in from China, which we understood we shouldn't based on the risk, because there's an outbreak there, but it might be perceived as racist. That's the kind of decisions government's making for us. Yeah, let's give more power to those people. And then furthermore, because uh, while we're going off about how bad uh, government is, hindsight's 2020, but being at war in Afghanistan, or from what I remember of 9-11, I mean, we'll see how this one plays out. It didn't seem to shut down our economy quite like this. I mean, if the risk, like, if we're saying that the, the, like, risk of death, if the risk of death of this thing is real, what terrorist or foreign power has ever threatened us in the way that this buyer hazard has? Then you got to consider why have the government agencies, the amount of cash we spend on defense, trying to defend ourselves, how come this isn't a part of it? Like, if I was in charge of defense, I would have a board of threats, and I think biohazard, that, that would probably be the one on the top of the list. If you're just trying to look at, hey, what could be a massive issue to us? And then you'd think you'd put massive resources into being able to put up emergency hospitals, which would be pretty crucial. Or like, just look at how much money are we spending uh, like as a government on trying to create biohazard type weapons versus what we could be spending curing them. I'm just saying like the amount of money that's spent on defense in this country, like if you're outlining the risk, is the risk of invasion really much bigger than the risk of biohazard threats such as this? I mean, I think after this incident, you're going to have to say, of course not. So let's shift 90% of our defense spending towards, uh, which by the way, we all know wouldn't even work because government's inefficient. But I feel like I've made my point about how bad government is. So 
here are some other random thoughts and uh, stuff from what's going on in the news. Uh, so one is, obviously, they're telling everybody that um, they should work at home. That's been the advice of uh, CNN and countless other news sources. Everyone's saying, hey, stay, stay home. Uh, if you aren't sick, pretend like you are, which is always what you need to do in times of disaster is just make believe. Everybody pretend. If everybody just pretends, well, why don't we just pretend like there's no problem? That, that could also be a thing that we pretend. Maybe that would help. But they're saying no one can work. Everyone needs to work from home. And let me tell you, as a person who was already doing that, uh, I wish we could see like the national Pornhub numbers and see how much work is actually getting done. I can't wait for companies like some people who thought, all right, listen, we're just going to have everyone work from home. Uh, we're paying them. They're, they're going to find out in like a month exactly what's getting done. You're going to have a manager who's going to call up one of his workers and be like, hey, uh, how's that project coming along? He goes like, uh, pro- project? <laughs> I mean, you wanted to report on uh, what's going on on YouTube, right? I know what's going on on YouTube. Like, uh, hey, do we still have health insurance? Because I chafe my dick pretty good. Um, I, I mean, my health insurance is still active. I'm going to have to get my dick straightened, right? I, I bet if you looked at national trends, like, uh, you know, for, for anyone out there who's spiritual, thinks uh, we need God to step in and help us out, we, we should be getting everyone back to work so at least they're not jerking off all the time. A lot of semen being, being spilled on the floor of this country right now. All right, so I've been watching every time Andrew Cuomo uh, gets out there and makes his speeches. Usually I'm in my room and uh, I hear come on on CNN and then I step out because, you know, I'm curious to hear if he's, uh, you know, further restricting the city, shutting down the subway. There's a lot of interesting stuff. Let me just tell you, Andrew Cuomo would be the perfect person to broadcast the end of the world. He's just Italian and says things so matter of factly that you just kind of accept people are going to die. Your grandmother, she's probably already dead. You might find yourself in a situation where everyone around you is dead. You got to burn their corpses for heat. You got one can of soup left and you're cooking up your kid just so that you have some heat for your can of soup. You might find yourself in a situation where you don't have arms anymore and you got to wipe your ass with your own legs. But just know that... Everyone else is in the same situation that you are. It's, it's now, now I'm starting to turn this back into my Mike Bloomberg impression, but you got to watch some of Cuomo. I actually think, you know, in terms of uh, presidential material, I at least just like the way that he owns up to disaster situations. I could see it like with the with the debt, the country, we don't have money. No one, they're never, it's just become Bloomberg again. Uh, but Total opposite of Trump, who will just lie right to your face. Like, at least Cuomo, he just kind of owns, listen, it's a disaster going on, and it's going to be a disaster, and start getting used to the fact that it's a disaster. There's a new normal. Trump will just lie right to your face. He doesn't give a shit. Like, I could basically see Trump being at a conference naked, and then someone being like, sir, is there is it true that there's a clothing crisis in this country? And Trump's like... I, no, we have so much shirts in this country. We have the best shirts. We're, we're going to start making Trump shirts. That's how good the quality in these shirts are going to be. There's going to be so many shirts available for everybody. But sir, you're not wearing a shirt right now. That's because I have nice nipples. I want the country to be able to see my nipples. Melania likes playing with them. Everybody likes them. These are nipples of hope. So, sir, we are running out of clothes. No, there's so much clothes. I saw that guy, Burke Chrysler, doesn't wear shirts. People love him, so I thought, I'm going to stop wearing shirts also, okay? No more questions about the shirts. There's no shirt crisis. But at least here's the good news is uh, when it all kind of, we start, you know, looking through the weeds of uh, what went wrong in this thing, what the potential cures are, there's a good chance that the gays might save us. 
There's a drug called Collectra, which I think is one of the leading options. I know there's also the malaria thing, but this is one of the leading options. Uh, and I couldn't find any more information on it, but apparently it's uh, it's a thing that basically uh, helps your body combat AIDS. And so they think just uh, generally speaking, it might be like a good antiviral uh, medication. And so, you know, just good thing for all those gays out there and all the diseases that they have, because they're like getting diseases first so that hopefully when society, the rest of us get diseases, we've already figured out the medication. Now, the problem is I bet that prep thing, which they give to people to prevent AIDS, I bet that might work for this too. I don't know if they've tested that yet, but in New York City, you can't even get that unless you're having unprotected anal sex with men and you go to a health clinic and tell them that. I don't know if that's true, but let's start that rumor that prep will save your life, uh, but they're only giving it to people who've had anal sex in the last 24 hours. Maybe we can get some straight dudes up on Grindr, uh, you know, and just turn the world a little bit weirder than it already is. Uh, also here, if you aren't already freaked out enough about things, I was thinking... Uh, Social media and Google has probably given government an unbelievable ability to kind of take the temperature of the room. And that think about before, I guess if there was a quarantine because of some boogeyman, how would they quantify whether or not like what the trust factor was of, hey, this is a real risk. But I bet they can kind of run analytics about the flavor of what everyone's posting on social media or even what they're Googling to just kind of get the overall temperature of the room, which is just a scary thought that they have an insight into all of our actual thought process about whether or not we believe a threat that they're putting out there as a threat, um, which just uh, just like a random thing about analytics, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the next thing is you're also just seeing how good they are at marketing. Like, just never forget that we're being sold by these people. Like, don't ever forget the the talk of, hey, we're arming the moderate Syrian rebels. These people know marketing. They know how to throw terms in there that make these things sound more appealing, which is why instead of a quarantine, it's a shelter in place. Like, uh, shelter in place, nobody move, you know? As long as you're staying perfectly still, the virus can't see you. In a part of the world where there are no rules. That's how you can get the virus. Deep in the city, where nothing that lives is safe. And away from the crowds and away from outside. But now... What's got Philly so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. Coronavirus. Put that cookie down. All right, so uh, as things seem to turn to shit in New York City, I feel like nobody understands New York better than BK Chris, especially when it comes to translating Cuomo, because I I can't understand the guy. He's talking your language. Uh, So let's start with this. Do you think they're going to quarantine New York City? Is it going in that direction? I mean, at this point, I think that him and fucking uh, de Blasio will do... Like, if, 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 if Newsom jumps off a bridge... You're jumping off a bridge, right? I think uh, they've just been slowly heading in that direction, and they're just kind of clamping it down little by little by little. No, but have you noticed that two days after fucking Newsom in California does something, they just drop it? Oh, you, you know mean, mean like, that they don't even give much warning? They just kind of go, all right, no, here's... No, 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 it's like literally like they're just like, we're not going to do that. And then they do it in California, and then two days later they do it here. 
They did it with school closings. They did it with fucking um, the last thing where they shut bars. Then they did it with the fucking... And now they're doing it with shelter at home. I don't think they're going to do full quarantine because the Washington Post just put out projections saying that full quarantine is actually worse than forced social distancing. How how does that work out? What do you mean? Like that it turns out to be worse. Because people violate it. I, look, I'm sitting here... Look, look I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I already thought of three different ways around this. Right? So let's say, uh, so it's non-essential services, right? Okay. But essential services are food, food delivery, and a bunch of other stuff, right? Okay. And you sign up for Uber Eats. You mean, so you just pretend like you're an Uber Eats person, then you go about your life? We'll, per- we'll pretend. I'll deliver some food. You mean just so that you don't have to be stuck in your apartment? Yeah. But you, you know, while you're out, you can do you can do Uber Eats anyway. You just turn it off. What are you doing? Oh, I'm waiting for a call. I just delivered something. Yeah, you, you, I, I think you bring up a good point. I've generally found I've been staying to my apartment for the last week and a half. Uh, but the fact that I don't need a report into an officer when I just go to the grocery store or I got to be every night at around 11, I've been going out. And when I've been going out, it's not like to hang out with people or to be around crowds. But yesterday I went to the park, I shot around and played roller hockey for an hour. There was nobody there, but just the ability to get out of your apartment for an hour and stretch your legs makes all of the difference. Yeah, well, it's also Cuomo wants to run for president. He very clearly wants to run for president. I agree with that. He can't, he can't fucking win the. He can't win the candidacy if he fucking loses New York. Right. He can't win New York if he locks all of us in fucking our houses. Right. Well, the other thing he's playing this game really well, which is when you're in local government, the victory is just how much shit can you get from the federal government. So, it, which is funny because you know, it, it, obviously, we got a problem with the federal government right now. We're not going to be able to pay for any of this. But especially on the local level, that's not like that's not really your problem. You're almost competing with every other governor in every other state. So, if you're Cuomo and you can turn around and go, "Well, look, at a time of crisis, I was able to secure all these resources." That's that's like a major win for then going into a presidency kind of situation. Well, you did get them to send two massive military hospital ships here. Yeah. The other thing I give Cuomo credit for, I wonder, I, I mean, I said this joke earlier in the episode. I'll see if you agree with me, but he's got that Italian matter of fact thing where while other people will not just be like, yeah, this is a disaster, um, he's actually very pleasant. That's what almost makes him look presidential where he'll just look at the camera and go, yeah, people are going to die. That is part of it. We are in a disaster. People are going to die. And he says, and you're like, all right, like, you know what I mean? You almost feel a little bit more okay with it. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, man. I've been, (laughs) as much as this is terrifying that they're just like, everybody's just kind of like, yeah, sure, lock us away. And people are demanding more. As much as that's terrifying, it's like, he's still kind of doing his job, I guess. Well, they found the perfect, uh, They this is so much better than terrorism in terms of people's willingness to just give over authority to the federal government. You know, this is like, they found the right boogeyman where everyone's like, yes, fucking lock up everybody and just take oh, yeah. control. And I guarantee you, all of a sudden, this is going to start popping up more and more. It's going to start being like hurricane evacuations. 
you know how there's a bunch of hurricane evacuations and not a lot of, you know what I mean? Like for years, there was just hurricane evacuations. And then no, nothing really ever happened. And oh. there was just hurricane lockdowns. They were just steel-mongering us for years in New York City before Sandy hit. Oh, and so then finally hit, and nobody fucking moved because we were fucking steel-mongered. Oh, you know so, what I mean? Right. You know, the, the more interesting anti-government thing would be like, they're trying to like train us to just be obedient. So they keep kind of like having these practice scenarios so that we get increasingly more used to it. But what you're saying is it actually has the opposite approach that when real disaster strikes, we're going to be like, hey, fuck you. And we're going to have we're a problem right now. Yeah. Well, we're going to have a. I'll tell you this right now. I went to Prospect Park. It looked like I went there the other day when I was still cold out. Yeah. I literally left because I couldn't stay. I, I've been actively trying to stay away from most people. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I have, like, my very small inner circle that I've seen here and there. And I, I live with my girlfriend. But other than that, I've seen the Chinese delivery guy and the fucking, uh, the fucking Arab guy at the corner store for my morning coffee. That's it. I go for a walk. I go for a run. Like I literally, the park was so crowded, it made me paranoid. Mike Lemmy, Mike Lemmy said the same thing. He said he went out in Brooklyn. He was just trying to go to the grocery store, and he said that so many people were out. It was like Times Square crowded, which is uh, that is so frightening. Dude, I'll tell you this. Even this is so. Forget forget this. So St. Patrick's Day, I have two female friends who are posting pictures at a bar in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Yeah, it's, like it's just like I'm just like, how are you? First of all, how are you doing that? Right. Second of all, why are you doing that? Like, and then these are two people who like my boy has this that works at like he like is like they haven't been able to test him, but like the doctors were like, yeah, you don't have any other viral infection we've tested you for, and you've had a fever for over a week. Like, this is like I don't understand why people at this point aren't voluntarily staying home. You mean so? I actually, it's funny because my area hasn't been doing that, and both me and my roommate have been basically staying in the apartment except for, you know, going to the store. Like, I've been operating that way because I'm a germaphobe, and this thing terrifies me, and I've been doing that already for, like, two weeks. Even because, even from, like, the earlier reports of this thing going on, I was like, okay, I'm not going to open mics. I'm just going to go into the office, and that's it. I'm limiting my contact, but... It really is shocking to me that other people are being pretty, uh, like, you know, flipping about Dude, it. Dude, I'll tell you this. Like, in my neighborhood, I go outside and try, like, I'll go through my lawn. Right. Oh, shit. Did I just lose you, dude? No, I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I lost you there for a second. Oh. Uh, yeah, but, like, my neighborhood, like, my direct surroundings are very quiet. But then, like, when I, like, on the rare occasion, I, like, leave the neighborhood, I, I, like, went over to a friend's house because he needed some help with something earlier today, right? So I took my skateboard up there. I was in his house for maybe five minutes, you know what I mean? But I, I skateboarded up there. I passed, there's a famous pizza place on Avenue J called The Forest in New York, right? Okay. Um, so I go, I'm on my way back. And I go, you know, this is, like, ten, this is on skateboard. It's 10 minutes from my house. I figure it'll be empty. I'll get some takeout. It won't be that big of a deal. It, I get there. The store is closed. You can't let people in. But there's a crowd, a large crowd. And this is the middle of the day. This is noon. I mean, granted, it's a lunch rush. But, like, I'm looking at the people there. Like, these are not South Brooklyn people. These were hipsters. They got on the fucking subway. They went over there to eat a fucking slice of pizza. Because they had the same thought as me. Oh, it'll probably be empty. I'll stop by. You know what I mean? Because there's always a line there. 
wild. So you're you're seeing a lot of people that just don't give a shit about this. Uh, Dude, I like. There's a lot of people that are just treating this like a vacation. There's a lot of people in New York City who are getting paid to not go to work right now. Right. Right. Now, I ex- yeah. I experienced because I, f- I finally got out of the city today. I really thought at 5 p.m. Uh, the like the quarantine might come. You're just gonna go murder your parents. Well, eventually. eventually, yeah. I haven't actually gone to their house yet. I didn't want to do Sabbath, so I got a hotel room for uh, for today. Uh, but the second I left the city, because in my area, uh, I don't know why my area is so much different than everyone else. There aren't that many people out, and most of the people that you see out, they're wearing face masks. A lot of them have gloves. Like, if you didn't watch the news at all, you would go outside and be like, oh, something is up. And then you would go look it up and be like, holy shit, there's a thing going on. Uh, but Dude, somebody brought up a great point to me the other day. Yeah. There's a season of Big Brother going on right now. They haven't told those people what's going on. What is, I don't know what Big Brother is. Big Brother is that show where they like put a bunch of people in like a house underground. Okay. And it's just like, it's a reality TV show. It's just like, it came out the same year as Survivor. So there's a season being filmed right now. Oh, that's it's amazing. It's a fucking house somewhere. It's a, like, it's a house in like a studio, and they're just not telling them. I mean, that the better show is going to be when the season's over and they tell them. That's the better show. Yeah. I, well, let me ask you this. All right. Fucking, what's better? Not knowing any of this and having to come out into a world. So let's say the season's going to end in three weeks, right? Let's say three or four weeks. So this is still going to be going on. Right. When it's over. So, like, what the, like what's better? Not Like, getting those extra four weeks where you don't know this shit is going on, and you're just, like, living ignorantly, and then, but then you're going to come out and get fucking smacked in the face with this. So, I'm going to say, it's not like you missed out on an orgy. You missed out on terror. Uh, the problem is going to be, I guess, like, if you missed out on saying goodbye to a loved one, that that that's pretty rotten. You don't get that moment twice. I don't know how the producers. I don't know how the producers like. You know what happens if that call comes in? The mom who's like, they're not going to make it, and they're like, sorry, we're filming a show here. You can't talk to whoever. Uh, I would also have to think that whoever's producing that show. I mean, who knows? Fucking producers are scumbag. I, I can't imagine you just, you know, put them on a van and bring them back to their New York City apartment. You know what I mean? You, you're, you got to be somewhat responsible for them. So you're probably well, lucky. You're in some weird place. They're from all over the country. There's a good chance they're going to come out and fucking flights are going to be grounded. I'm gonna, gonna so I'm going to assume that the network is responsible for you. And that's going to be a pretty good, whatever provisions are made for you while you're on the show, you're going to continue to get craft service or whatever the fuck else. You know what I mean? That's probably a good free ride. Mm, so that might not be bad then. Not bad at all. I think you get out and then they go, guys, we appreciate that you did the whole show. We didn't tell you there's actually been a disaster in the country. You're very lucky that you were a part of the show because now we're, we have this hotel for you with these arrangements. I would think that they have to do that because the liability of just like being like, oh, you didn't have any chance to prep and now you're on your own. I mean, no, but think about how funny this is. It's just a bunch of meatheads in a house. And then they're going to be like, well, how did this happen? And like somebody way smarter than them is going to have to look them in the face and be like, I don't know. We don't really know. Bat soup, maybe? I don't. I I fucking told those people not to eat those fucking bats. I fucking told them, bro. Who the fuck would eat a fucking bat, bro? Why the fuck would you eat a bat? That doesn't even—it doesn't even fucking taste good. I could have fucking told you that. Bats are just for hitting the blacks with. 
I'll go. I'll, <laughs> I'll fucking go out to China and give us some fucking pizza. That's what they should fucking eat. Well, the funnier show would be if they just released him and didn't tell him and let them like just walk into towns like uh, that great scene. The first, that second episode, was it the first or second episode of The Walking Dead, Dead when he just went into Atlanta and he was not prepared for the zombie hordes? Do you, did you watch The Walking Dead? No, no, I never watched it. Uh, so listen, The Walking Dead sucks now. It is not worth watching the whole thing, but you should sit down. Are you a fan of uh, like zombie movies in general? Is that a genre that you ever were like into? Yeah. I sure. will. I will say I'm a sucker for like even before The Walking Dead, I was a sucker for a zombie movie. Like even the all the Resident Evils, even though they're all bad, I like them all. I uh, like if before The Walking Dead, because then you kind of totally got your fill on zombie movies and they did it better than anyone. But any uh-huh. any zombie thing could come out and I was into it. I just like that genre. I like the terror of it. I, I, I enjoyed it. But there's one episode where he wants to go to Atlanta to get his family and he goes into Atlanta on a horse. Uh, and it's where I think it's the second episode and it's on Netflix. If you don't watch a single other episode of the show, that is one of the greatest hours of television. You should go watch it, but it would be fun if they just released these fucking Goombas without any knowledge. Like they go to the local town to show up to the bar that they love and it's just fucking empty. They're trying to figure out what's going on on their own. Yeah. Oh man, that is actually really funny. Just like it, it'll take them like a week to be like, wait a second. <laughs> hey, what? Hanks? You mean the top? The- you sure they just didn't make another Philadelphia? <laughs> Yo, it's fucking summer. Why does it feel like I got the fucking flu? <laughs> yeah. So I. Uh, in uh, keeping yourself occupied with quarantine, what what are what are what are the, some of the things you're getting yourself up into? I did cooking, Dan. I made a big CD the other night for the first time in a long while. Uh, I'm making some pork chops right now. I got them in the immersion circulator. All right, and wait, and what uh, what do you have them in? Uh, I the sous vide. I'm sous videing some pork chops. I'm gonna I'm gonna sear them in the cast iron after that. I don't know what any of that means, but it sounds delicious. Yeah, it's going to be good. Stir fry some vegetables. I think tomorrow I'm going to make a, a nice uh, beef stew. Nice. I uh, uh, I just figured out how to use the Instapot, and not that anything I'm making is delicious, but the fact that you can just make, like, chicken and beef in bulk and pull it out and it's fresh and hot, it's pretty incredible. Well, dude, that's what I'm, I'm kind of glad. It's, like, still going to be, like, it's going to be cold again tomorrow. It's going to be, like, it's going to be in the 50s for another couple of weeks. Like, I still got a turkey in my freezer from Thanksgiving. I'm going to cook that. Fucking, um, and like, uh, like I just, I made like a big thing of pea soup. Like, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a beef stew. Like, I just like, I got so much fuck. I already had so much food in my freezer. It was like, this is fine. All right. So now with the New York City lockdown coming, do you think, do you think New York City is looking for chaos or violence? Do you think it's going to pop off? I mean, look, just to be on the safe side, I bought a pump-action crossbow on Amazon today. Are you allowed to ship those to to New York? I mean, they took my money. There you go. I, I hope it shows up because off-air, you and I, we both at the same time were like, I know I can't get a gun, but maybe we can get a crossbow. Well, what's funny is I was sitting outside when I called you because you asked me to call you. I was sitting outside my house. I was just smoking, I was smoking a cigar drinking a cup of coffee. And I go, I should probably order like a crossbow or something just to have in a fucking house. And then, like, I call, I was like, you know what? I'm being fucking stupid. And so I call you, 
And within a minute, you're like, I'm thinking about buying a crossbow. <laughs> and then as soon as we hung up with each other, I bought a crossbow. <laughs> so I'm like, if, 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 if the two of us had that thought, there's going to be a run on crossbows any minute now. You know what? I better go get that crossbow for myself because I didn't actually pull the trigger, no pun intended, uh, because I was just, I was really trying, I don't know anything about crossbows and I really want one for home defense. So I'm not sure if I want like a really small, like pistol style one. And then, or if I you, literally got one that could drop a buck there, you mean, how much did it cost you? A couple hundred bucks. Oh, so you went, you went for a pretty high end one. Now, you know what I'm surprised, or maybe they do exist, in my head mechanically, I would think you could make a crossbow that you could lo- load up with six or seven crosses at the same time, because I would I just... Totally can. You can. You can. You mean you can load a crossbow with, like, multiple crosses? Yeah, and then you can, like, you can, like, with multiple bolts, yeah, and you just cock it. Because... And boom. Well, I, w- I would be thinking you would be cocking. No, I don't mean like spraying like seven arrows out at once. I mean one that you could pull the trigger, like boom, crossbow out, boom, crossbow out, boom, like almost like firing a revolver and where it's just different depths to like each of the drawbacks uh, with like the arrows lined up on top of each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. So do you think, but I was looking online. I didn't seem to see that anywhere. Hmm. Maybe I Maybe just you have to go to a hunting store. Yeah, or maybe I just gave away a good invention. No, I can't be the first one to have thought of that. No, there's a guy who fucking there's a. I'll find the I'll find the thing and I'll send it to you so you can post it with this. There's a guy on YouTube that made a fucking pump action bow that shoots up to um, it shoots super accurately like a bow and arrow that shoots super accurately. Like he's a German guy. Uh, it might be called the fucking weapons channel or the slingshot channel or something like that. Um, I, I think I'm subscribed to one of my fucking accounts is subscribed to it on YouTube, but he, he, could, he literally could shoot like, yeah, he, I think he has one that's set up where he can like repeatedly shoot two arrows at once, 10 times. Jeez. Now, what kind of augmentations do you think you're going to make to, uh, your crossbow to make it deadlier? Um, uh, I mean, I may just, I think I'm just going to dip the, uh, the tips in liquid LSD so that people trip out. It's <laughs> the only thing I can think of. But that might just be a nice gift to them that they get to see cool colors as they go. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not a cold-blooded murderer. You just, you know, if I like, I, if I have to murder you, I got to murder you. But that doesn't mean your last moments have to be miserable. Yeah, you should have a little fun. Yeah, no, I I could see that. Um, no, yeah. but in in all seriousness, it it feels like the city is headed for a problem that they're telling people that they can't work, and a lot of people are going to run out of money. Uh, and now I know that they're saying, hey, we're going to send you paychecks, but we know how great and efficient government is at getting people things. Uh, they're already starting to move in the military because obviously they're going to have to protect the wealthier areas. Uh, but well, it's not even just, dude, it's not even just that. It's um, like a massive swath, massive swaths of the NYPD. I mean, like, whatever. I'm hearing this is conjecture. I heard this from a buddy of mine who works in a hospital said that, like, there's a detective in. Um, just kind of like, you know, there's people just keeping an eye on stuff. And this guy was just like, yeah, like a third of the force is just calling out every day. Well, I was going to say that's got to be the scariest part is that if there is an, an epidemic situation, like how many police officers are really going to get out there and, you know, want, want to be fighting with people, you know? It just seems like, uh, it, it, I, I don't know, it seems like you're... Yeah, but I don't think the military is really going to... What are they going to do, shoot people in the streets? In New York City? 
Yeah, but uh, they're also not going to show up with fucking riot gear and fight them. It's going to be a weird situation if things pop. And I'm not saying things will pop off. Well, that's kind of what I'm asking you. Even a longer time New York City resident, like. Dude, here's the thing, man. Twenty years ago, like when nine eleven happened, I would have been like, absolutely not. That'll never happen. On nine eleven, I saw fucking Humvees in the street, and then they were gone in a day. You know what I mean? This is right after 9-11. They were gone in a day. But they started just searching people on the subway, and I go, huh, nobody's really getting mad at that, huh? Fucking, uh... And it's just, I just... Look, we, New York, when I was a kid, there used to be so, like, here's the thing. You know that Stanley once walked... Multiple times, Chris Stanley, my co-host, has walked from his house to work over the 59th Street Bridge in the snow they shut down the subway. So, like, there used to be a thing, and I'm the same way. I have, like, literally put on galoshes and walked miles to work on a snow day when nobody was really expected to go in. Like, there used to be a determination and a, 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 like, old-school New York guys, and there's, like, there's less and less of us around, used to take pride in going and fucking doing shit when fucked up shit was happening around you. Right, it I know. Used to be, I know exactly what you're describing. It doesn't exist in the city anymore. Right. Like, I've literally talked to other people my age, and they're like, I'm like, I'm like, it's fucking soft that people won't go to school right now. They like, won't go to work right now because it's snowing. And people are like, everybody wants a snow day. I'm like, you're a pussy. Like, it's just like, and it's like, I don't want to go to work. Nobody wants to go to work. You just don't. Well, that's that energy of New York City that people describe when they leave that uh, sometimes you can fold to the anxiety of the way that it's always buzzing, but it's almost like being on a treadmill where you, you feel like, hey, I'm supposed to be in go mode. And I know what you're describing, yeah. that there's like a New York City pride where doesn't matter what's going on, the bodega's open, that guy's showing up to work, I should be sh- like, that. Th- that's real New Yorkers, doesn't fucking matter, we're going to work. Yeah. And I uh, guys outside, right? Why aren't you? Yeah, yeah, there's definitely it it definitely has that energy to it. And uh I in my head I wouldn't have I wouldn't have noticed as much with the uh with the snow day thing. Uh but in this instance, I mean clearly no one has that attitude. No, but here's the thing. Here's what's weird is that this is all these same people who are fucking outside right now, if it was snowing, would not be at like if there was a blizzard on St. Patrick's Day, the bars would have been empty. There was a blizzard on the other day when I was in the park, and I'm talking about, dude, I used to ride my bike around and deliver food in fucking snow. Like, it's like, there are not people in the park. You know what I mean? It's just like, it, it's a very weird thing that these people are outside. And it's because it, it's that weird fucking snow day mentality, though. It's like, well, we're on vacation. You're not on vacation. You're not at work because we're all going to die. Well, yeah. Well, who wants to be filling in spreadsheets at the end of the world? You know, it's got. It, I, I I was saying. Uh, yeah, but stay home and fuck your wife. <laughs> I was saying uh, earlier this week at Gas Digital that as I was sitting down and trying to get work done, it just had end of the school year energy. Like you know, it just had that last week of school. Hey, we don't really need to do anything anymore. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's the truth of the situation. Work still needs to get done. Uh, but they're almost like yeah, the way yeah. there's, there's, yeah, Robbie, you, me, I don't, when we get off the phone, 
You need to show some fucking ass. <laughs> what are you talking about? Believe me, I'm I'm aware of the situation. You're calling it in the wrong. I'm calling fucking Sutton as soon as we get off the phone, and I'm going to be like, "Where's my check?" <laughs> uh, all right. So, amongst all the conspiracy theories that are swirling around, what do you think is really going on here? Um. What do you mean? Like, do you think that this virus was man-made? Do you think they're trying to crash the economy? Do you think Bill Gates is behind this? What do you think is the real story here? Oh, I saw the Bill Gates one. That's just fucking bizarre to me. Guy who spent much of his fortune fucking trying to eliminate malaria from the world is responsible for this. That's what makes people, no sense. Yeah, that one. I, I'm. Uh, I haven't done too much research into that one. Uh, but it also strikes me like it would just be It's always like, I mean, I don't know how many friends you, like how many friends that are like hood dudes that you've known in your life, but like I'm friends with like a lot of like hood dudes that I grew up with and that like, they're the only ones I don't block on Facebook. Okay. They're mostly just super entertaining. Okay. Right. So like I block anybody who talks about politics, I like, I, I, I like ignore them on Facebook. Like I, I like uh, unsubscribe to them or whatever. Fucking, but like those dudes, but like everyone's going to something like this will come out. You'd be like, oh, like you forget, like black dudes are just like, hood black dudes are just like such, they're conspiracy junkies way worse than the like crazy hillbilly. You know what I mean? Like I had this dude be like, China created this because Trump destroyed their economy. I was like, are you fucking retarded? The Chinese economy is doing fine. Like, what? Like, I actually, I don't know how fine their economy's doing because uh, it, it's hard to tell. They have, like, fucking ghost cities that they just wanted to have workers for, so they put shit oh, up. Yeah. Like There is, like, a bunch of, like, weird falseness, and, like, there's a lot of fake... Like, the Chinese government is basically just printing money and not reporting it to anyone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's like, just... I, I don't even... Like, you know how, like, there's, like, evidence when we, like, when we produce new money? There's no evidence when the Chinese produce new money. Yeah, well, it's just, it's top-down. They're not responsible to anyone, and they just gotta, you know, pr- pretend like their system is always on the up-and-up. So it, it's it's hard to decipher what the hell is going on there. Uh, yeah. All right, so before we wrap it up, I mean, how bad of a depression do you think we're headed for here? Like, what are, are we returning to normal life anytime soon? Like, what what is just your general, you know, not that so I, me- yeah. Let me, let me go out there with this. All right. So, I just looked at the S&P right before you called me, right? Okay. And it's not lower than it was when Trump took office. But here's the, there. here's the problem with that. I think the real value of the S&P is probably like $1,500. I think all of the wealth that you've seen in the S&P, it's uh, just a bubble because of QE1, QE2, QE3. Now, I think everyone's holding on to their tickets. It's kind of like being at the racetrack and you're hoping that the Fed's going to announce that they're going to just start buying up uh, buying up debt directly or buying up even stocks directly. Uh, but I, I, I really think that the stock market's been a bubble, and it's a bubble because of Fed money, and that it's coming due. So you're right that even the whatever it is, it's probably like a 25% down, but that correction is basically still massively up because... Uh, it's but, not even 25% down, Robbie. What is it? It's 20% down now? I, I don't even know. Let me check. Hold on. From the high? Because I remember I was seeing, I mean, this is a couple of days now. Um, but, all right. right. 
do this. Just Google S&P 500 chart, comma, quantitative easing. And then if you just look at all this, like the, the, the you know, basically the stock values um, before the Fed started buying up assets, that's probably what the real value of the S&P is. Now, the other just interesting way to look at that chart is if you start kind of doing a, a, like a trend line from all what the- What's the chart with what? Like just do uh, S&P 500, uh, comma, quantitative easing. And you'll probably be able to find a chart that shows you when, like, uh, when they did QE1, QE2, QE3, and you could see the spikes in the stock market afterwards. Um, most of the increases correlate to the Fed pumping money into it. Uh, uh, okay, I see. And so the other thing is if you just kind of look at a trend line of, like, all those bottom dips as if it was kind of going upwards – uh, you'll kind of have like a better look at what probably, but this is like a technical trading thing. And by I'm not a financial expert, and I have not really even followed stocks in any way in the last ten years. Uh, but just in an eyeball looking at the chart, I think the value before quantitative easing started was like two grand or twenty five hundred, something like that. It was probably about uh, two grand, right? Um, yeah, something like that. Yes, no, it says. Um, hold on. I'm looking at the. I'm looking at. I'm, I think I'm looking at the Dow. Yeah, but yeah, you're not. You're not way off. Yeah. So without any Fed intervention, that's probably what the S and P is worth. But I'm just telling you, real value of the S and P. Well, I mean, because there's an inflation thing, but it's probably around like no Fed involvement. It's like fifteen hundred to two grand, which is an epic crash, which is basically half the what. What was the what at its high? It was like at three thousand or something, right? Three thousand two hundred. Let me, let me uh, get it right now. You just got uh, to look at the chart like two months ago or whatever it was, a month ago. Hold on. Uh, I'll do six months. Here we go. Two months ago, you said? I mean, just before, you know, before this thing has started coming down, you're probably looking at... Like it was so probably, November, it was at yeah. So November is at about three thousand. Now it's at twenty three hundred. So yeah, that's like yeah, that's it's like yeah, it's like what is that fifteen percent or something? Yeah, but here's the thing: you're not going to see a correction unless it's all Fed money. That's it at this point. There's no fundamentals. There's no real growth. There's no GDP expansion. These aren't factories or innovation. It's nothing. It's just Fed money. And uh, the question is, can they reinflate that balloon by, you know, buying up the assets directly? Uh, and it's unclear. So I, I don't know that the, I don't know that we're seeing a, a stock market rebound coming. Uh, and also here's the other, here's the other thing, the economic recovery that maybe has taken, that has taken place is because the stock market is up, but that stock market growth is the same way you had housing growth in the last economic expansion, which was fed money. Yeah. This was just the new asset bubble. So the question is, what do they prop up next? And, uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't know that they can keep doing it, but I mean, it, 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 they're, they're, they're hard to bet against because they are the most, um, they're the largest and most powerful player. So don't start trying to short the market. You're going to lose because you're betting against the house. They're the fucking casino. So maybe they can inflate it again, uh, but I don't think it can be done, you know, forever. But who, who the fuck knows? It's a, there, There's a reason why smarter people than me have lost their pants, you know, investing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'll tell you this, though. Um... 
I thought, you know, whatever, Dave, uh, Dave posted something on Twitter. He was just like, I would just give everybody their income taxes back this year. Don't take anybody's income taxes. Um, and I was just like, yeah, and then give a further tax credit to anybody who invests in stocks. You finally get Americans investing in their fucking retirement and fucking you get the money right back into the companies that it needs to be in. So here, here's what's really interesting. Everybody's going to just invest in ETFs anyway. Yeah. Nobody invests in fucking individual stocks anymore. Here's what's really interesting about that. It, it's a fascinating idea, but it's kind of like uh, government creates problems when it like healthcare itself has draw, drawn uh, has driven up healthcare prices, and the entire insurance market kind of got kicked off because there was a tax incentive for companies to offer insurance as a benefit. Um, you have a similar problem with the stock market itself that with 401ks and like there's an incentive to invest, you end up kind of inflating the stock market. So what would end up happening, it, it, it's really interesting, but essentially let's say government said whatever you invest in the market, you're not going to have to pay in taxes. But what that also then does is it will you end up... You can also just take IRA contributions because then you don't create a bubble because you can't cash out your IRA until you're in your 60s, right? Well, so this way you don't create a bubble. You just take you just take the write off and make it a credit. No, no, I I get it. But then all of that money, like the problem is, the people who are going to be losing the most money because of the stock market issue are the people who could afford to be in stocks. So what you're going to end up doing if you do that, um, and you're you're really going to be bailing out like some of the wealthiest of individuals. Um, or I, I understand well, you can't, also you just cap it. No, no, because it's. Not- you're talking about an IRA. No, you can't I can't have. Well, maybe you can you have a traditional IRA if you make over a quarter million dollars a year. You can't have a Roth IRA if you make over a quarter million dollars a year. Well, you can you can contribute to whatever the max is, but there's a max on it. Like the max might be. No, 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 no. there's a max for everybody. But you're not allowed to have a Roth IRA if you make over a quarter. I believe you're not allowed to have a Roth IRA if you make over a quarter million dollars a year. It's been years since I really talked extensively about this. Right. Yeah, you could be right on that. You have a Roth 401k, so then... But what I'm saying is a standard IRA contribution, uh, assuming it has the same cap that a Roth IRA does at a quarter million dollars, right? Um, If you just create a credit, a tax credit, for people making under a quarter million dollars a year... Let me state it differently. By incentivizing more people to be in the stock market because of a tax benefit... Um, you're somewhat exasperating, exasperating the problem of inflating the stock market because you're forcing people to participate in it. Uh, and so, firstly, you're forcing people to be in riskier asset classes. Uh, and secondly, I, I don't know. Not it's all yeah. because you can. I'm talking about any IRA contributions. So that could also be bonds. A lot of people are using these uh, rebalancing. You know the rebalancing funds. What's that? So there's, there's an asset class. There's a rebalancing ETF nowadays. You basically go to like Vanguard is big on them. Although I hear they're like getting less and less popular. But right. like, um, so like Vanguard has a bunch of them. So you go there and you put your fucking, um, you put your uh, date of birth in. And then it goes here, invest in this fund. It's for your age group. And then so as it gets closer and closer to the time that you'd be retiring, that ticker symbol, the, the, the program allocates the resources into less and less risky assets. All right, I get it. You understand it rebalances. The fund itself rebalances. The same way the S&P rebalances if somebody falls out of the S&P and a new company takes it 
takes its place. So when you invest in SPY, which is the S&P, the, the biggest S&P ETF, right? So when something falls out of the S&P 500, something else just takes its place. Now you want a piece of that. Right. No, I get it. In other words, when you're younger, they put you into really risky things, and then as you're older, you're closer to retirement, they uh, make less aggressive the reason, gambles. The only thing is, though, you can get really fucked if you're like literally just pumping in money into one of those funds. Let's say like there's if there's a crash right before it rebalances, you're fucked. You know what I mean? It should, it's yeah. gradually, well, it should be gradually diversifying as you get older. Right. You know what I mean? But... It's like you're trying. You're, you can still get fucked. It's just like you're less likely to get fucked with that than a straight S and P ETF. You know what I mean? The more you just take a downturn when you're 65, which happened to a ton of people in 2008, you're just fucked. Right. You know what I mean? Like. So, all right. Last question. So, how soon till we can just be doing stand-up comedy again? When when does that? I, I, when does that happen? Two months? Three months? Well, you don't, you don't, well, you don't want to do stand-up in an empty room for a fucking webcam? I don't think so. Would you? I actually uh, was going to do it the other day, but then uh, he, they got back to me too late. I was going to go to stand-up New York and do it, but I booked myself. I was on uh, Revenge of the Sis the other night, and I, you know, I'm, obviously that's just, I'd rather podcast than do stand-up in an empty room. Wait, but you know, you look like you're grinding to everybody else on social media. Stand up New York is letting you just what they're webcamming comedians from their stage. Maybe fifty comics in a row the other day. They, but now they're going to have to not do that. They, wait, they did. You know si- what I mean? They did sixty con. Oh, I was like past the mic just to kind of keep the stage going. No, they had hosts. Weird. Like that. That like I don't. Twelve hour show. That I don't hate because it's kind of a spectacle. To do five minutes on a spectacle, like I get it. I would, I, I would just want to get up and do fake crowd work. I would just write a bunch yeah. of like fake crowd work jokes. And yeah. Then, then now you just have those in your repertoire. Yeah, or I, I don't know if there was some, if there were. Listen, we're, we're like in it. it I, the best I can describe of uh, of stand up is there's some people you just like sitting at home and do crossword puzzles. Stand up to me is like my version of doing a puzzle. It's like these little riddles, and when you figure out each individual one, it, it is a it is a it, it's the best feeling. It's the it, it's what I it's the equation I like to solve is sitting down and how do I take a subject that I care about, find the funny in it, and put it together in a way that it elicits a laugh at the exact second. It's like solving these little puzzles. If there was a yeah, it's, no, but it's like it's like whatever. It's like kind of it's a weird thing. It's like kind of like every, like. I'm sure there's a bunch of teachers who are really upset they can't teach right now. Yeah, well, you know what I, mean? I think it's uh, I've discovered I discovered this uh, and it made me feel a little bit better. But it's a universal phenomenon that sometimes you want to work and you can't. There's a there are factory workers who, when you're put out of work. They stand on the sidelines and like, fuck, I just want to work. That is a universal thing. And so for us, stand-up's our thing. And so, you know, it's just, it's it, like that's a universal thing to be removed from your work. If there was a way to kind of somehow get that feedback digitally with stand-up, I would be 100% game for it. Um, but I don't re- – the, the only workaround I was thinking, the problem is we're, we're all such dicks, but – I think there there would be. I don't think there's an easy way to get like a real audience feedback. There's probably a way to be doing a, like a digital open mic, um, which I'm surprised somebody hasn't put together because that I could kind of no, no, see. No. There's dozens of those. There's, those already existed before they happened. How do those work out? Like, how do people do them? I don't know. It's just a Zoom call with three other people in it. Who the fuck wants to do that? Well, I guess like if it was. They're people... doing a Westside Comedy Club. I just got an email. They're doing one. What they're doing a, a digital open mic? Yeah, 
Yeah, with a, I think it's a 20-person list on Zoom. You can do up to a 20-person conference call. Yeah, I don't know, because people ignore you in person. How's that? Like, you'd have to, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, everybody's just going to mute you. Yeah, until it's their turn. I, I don't, I think for I me. Think you're going to have headphones on. You're going to have headphones on and just fucking hear laughing right in your ears while you're telling you. You're going to all paying attention. You're going to think it's hilarious what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. You know I, what I mean? I'm just, uh. I'm working on, uh, I guess, the jokes I put on my podcast and some scripts and trying to keep busy. And I'm just, you know, I think here's going to be the biggest thing. When we get the opportunity to get back out there and start doing stand-up again, uh, I think the first crowds are actually going to be very forgiving because they're going to know, hey, I'm watching someone who's got to fumble through this and figure out how to do it again. They're going to know. So you got to make sure to hit the ground running right away because within a month, people are going to be back up. You know what I mean? Like your better comics, like even your Mark Norman, uh, or maybe he's still doing stand up somewhere right now. But like your guys who are getting a ton of reps in the city, everyone's going to stink at first. And I don't mean stink. They're going to have their jokes and, you know, but I'm, I promise you those first crowds are going to be the best crowds. They're going to be forgiving. They're going to be there because they want to laugh and like they want to be a part of, hey, funny and normal life is coming back. Within a month, they're going to have that cunty expectation again. And if you didn't get right back up and running and you're doing stand-up for the first time, like after that month, it's going to be it's going to be a tougher hurdle. So that that's kind of my I thought think, on it. I think I think everything is going to suck right after this is over. Like literally, like when this is finally over in New York, right? The gyms are it's going to be worse than fucking. New Year's resolutions. The gyms are going to be packed. The park is going to be packed. Oh my God, it's going to be fucking disgusting outside. Uh, you're not going to be able to get an appointment at a therapist. You know, it's like it's going to be awful. Well, like restaurant reservations gone. It's so. You know what I mean, it's so funny because. Uh, I agree with you, and it's such a funny negative. Like you would think, it's almost that scene in Bambi where all the animals start coming out, and it's cheerful. Like it's going to be fucking buzzing. Everyone's going to be out and Dude, about again. I'm, I'm literally, I fucking. This is, and maybe, and look, no, this is no offense to you, but I think this is me spending too much time around New York Jews as a child. Okay, like I'm already thinking about how annoying social interactions are going to be. Once this is over, you know what I mean? Like, like, so like I'm talking to like you and Harrington and Stanley and Bobby Hutch every day. Right. Okay. And Alex. So like I'm talking about, I'm talking to like all the gas people almost every day. Right. Like I've been texting with you. I'm texting with those guys. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's like, that'll be fine. I'm texting with a bunch of my friends. That'll be fine. But like that first time when you run, like, I, I don't want to go to a party after this. Right. It's like everybody's just telling me. I don't want to hear anybody's 9/11 story either. Right? You know what I mean, I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to hear your quarantine story, your sad sack oh. bullshit. Like that almost needs to be a rule going into when this is over. No talking about your quarantine experience. It's boring. It's not interesting. And we all went through it. You're not special for getting through this tragedy. So no one gets to talk about it. Yeah, I hope. But, I, but I'm also talking about just the exuberance of people. Ugh, people being positive. I'm not looking forward to that either. Oh, you mean of everyone being like, well, we just got to get back out. We got to rebuild. Dude, I'm telling you, I went to the fucking park and it looked like 10,000 people had had just had a New Year's resolution. 
they're just jogging. I, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with exuberance. You're like, listen, it sucks right now, and I want everyone to be fucking mad and pissed off because that is the right attitude. It's like anytime you go back to being mad and pissed off. I don't want you to be new mad and pissed off. Just go back. We need to go right back to being disaffected assholes. <laughs> right. I can't. I can't now deal with a world where everybody's like, well, we all overcame this together. I. I. I hate it. Right, it's almost like... I hate like, the idea of it. I hate the idea that for three or four fucking months, it's going to be like, new year, new me. Fuck you. But we already did that this year. Fuck you. No, it's, I'm it's, not doing it again. It's like that feeling of, since it, uh, random people are going to feel like they can talk to you because we all just got through this thing together as humanity. They're going to feel like they share that bond, and you're still going to be like, no, I'm a fucking New Yorker. Don't fucking talk to me. There's no reason for us to have oh. a conversation. Yeah, yeah. I, you're not making me a sandwich. Why are we having a conversation? Yeah, no, I I agree with this attitude 100%. And of all the risks that were on the table in regards to the coronavirus, I wasn't even thinking about, oh, random people at the end of this are going to think that they're my friend and that it's okay to talk to me. You're 100% Dude, right. It's just going to be it's going to be small talk. Ugh. Oh my god. Like can you believe Ugh. can you believe that we can just be outside like this? Yes. And I don't need to yeah, talk about it with you. supposed to be outside, you <laughs> fucking jerk off. That was what was weird. The inside was weird, you fucking idiot. I I'm, Robbie, I I'm going to fucking that's the thing. I like, I literally am just like, this is going to suck now. If this was on for two months, people are going to be unbearable for six. You're, you're, you know what I mean? You're 100% right. All right. Let's close it out with a laugh. This was great. Thank you for calling in. Much appreciated. All right. Well, let me get a plug in. Go, go download High Society Radio and go go check out our YouTube page. I'm going to be putting up a bunch of shit on YouTube over the next few weeks.